God, we're thankful for that amazing grace, aren't we? What a merciful, wonderful God that we serve and is here with us even to the end of the world as promised. Amen. We're here in the last days. I believe this is the last age. We received the last messenger and it's going home time. It is a little quote that Brother Kelly Hildebrandt shared today. I thought I would read it um, as we begin today. God, we would pray now for this great nation of ours that's in the time of the changing of presidents. It might seem like a light thing, but God, it might change the destination of this nation. Oh Lord, thou who would choose the prophets and anoint the kings, we pray your Holy Spirit will anoint the right man for us in this hour. Grant it, Lord, where the great rallies are going on on both parties father we realize you're not interested in parties it's man that you it's a man that you can trust so i pray father that somewhere along that they'll choose the right man for the hour we know that the hour has come when the wrong man will be chosen chosen too so we pray father that you'll give us a little more time to bring in the lost you know, I think that's the desire of every true Christian is find that last one. When that last one is found and his name is dipped in blood, he's going to be going home. Time, a rapture, promised error. The book will be closed. It'll be finished then. But somewhere, somehow, and at some time, we're going to be praying the last prayer prayed in the Bible which says, he which testifies these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. And here's the prayer. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Here this past week, we've lost um, a couple of friends. Um, Brother C.W. Woods has passed away. He was a pastor up in uh, mid-Arkansas there. and Down at the edge of Arkansas here, um, there's a family lost a a mother and a grandmother, a pastor's wife, Sister Betty Harbor, passed away this Wednesday. Um, she and her husband, Brother Don, they um, um, have pastored a little work up there for many years, just in the, over in the edge of Arkansas. And um, they were friends of our family for many years, probably 60 years almost. Um, and... Um, we have two of their, her granddaughters that attend the Evening Light Tabernacle, Sarah and Paul Fields, and Amy and Micah uh, Mitchell. And um, we just want to remember that family in prayer today and thank God for this life that, that he sent along the way that has been a stepping stone for many. You know, the paths of life, Brother Branham said, footprints on the sands of time, he would quote, from the point, and we all leave some kind of footprints along the way. 
And so, God help us to walk to straight and narrow. Amen. We don't know how many more days we will be here upon the earth, but we want to make what time we're here count for God. So let's just bow our heads together. Father, as we bow our heads and think about these soldiers that went on ahead of us, Brother Wood, who has wrote many papers and sent them around, he loves you and tried his best, Lord, in his own way to spread the gospel with his understanding and knowledge that he had. And then there was Sister Harbor that we've known for many, many years, was a friend of my mother and dad. And Lord, we, in the early days, shared tapes with one another, borrowed and copied and shared and talked so excitedly about what you were doing in our day and hour. Today, Lord, their family experiences a loss. And we just ask, Lord, your blessings upon them, upon Brother Don, upon Cindy and Danny and Stephen. Lord, I pray that you'll give comfort and strength to them in this hour and this time. Their grandchildren as well. Lord, each family member, church family, God bless them, I pray. And just, just let your grace shine upon them. Ever needs supply. Now, Lord, we pray that you would bless us in the service today as we just draw up the armor a little tighter and we go forward in your name. And we look forward, Lord, to the promises of God and knowing that it's true and that you will never leave us or forsake us. And we're asking that you'll be with us now in Jesus' name. Bless the word as we read it, as we share with one another. May you anoint us by your Holy Spirit. Give us a hearing ear and a receiving heart. The ability, O oh God, to, to hear what the Spirit saith to the church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. And certainly appreciate the Lord today and the privilege that we have of serving Him. And you know, one thing about it is God's always constant. He never changes. Times changes. Presidents will change. Uh, seasons will change, but God never changes. And one thing about him, he never fails. Amen. It's good to see each one of you that are here. Sister Gina, nice to see you today. Happy to have you in service. And, and caught a glimpse of little Hannah, Michael's, Michael's sister here with us from Arizona. So God bless you, each one that is assembled with us. May he just pour out his blessings upon you. Amen. In a mighty way today. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, I'm going to be speaking today on where is the church standing, and I take that from a quotation of Brother Branham's, where that um, he, he uses this very phrase, and I just wanted to um, look at it today, if the Lord will help us and um, minister to us, so Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Amen. May God bless you. you can be seated. Where is the church standing? I mean, here we are on the eve of, a, of an election coming up and you know, whichever way that things go, things are not going to remain the same. 
We're living in a time of great change where things are happening. And so the life that we knew before, before this COVID struck, we'll never know that life again. It's a, it's a change. It's something that has taken place in this time, and, and um, we need to prepare to, to meet the Lord. It's, um, it is that hour. And um, you, I hear Brother Branham saying, I want to see a church in position. And, uh, and so we're asking, where is the church standing, or what is our position in this hour in time? I remember him speaking about this in the adoption message, and he would, he would urge us to go back to Genesis, back to the original where that the world is now groaning and travailing in pain until now and um, crying for deliverance and everything is calling for the manifestation or the revealing of the sons of God. And these sons, he said, were true sons, born sons, field sons speak and their words is back. And I believe we're on the border of it right now. Yes, sir, say to this mountain, let it be so. Brother, I desire a certain thing done. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll give it to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a manifestation. My, my brother, my crops are burning up out yonder. I haven't had any rain. I send you rain in the name of the Lord. And bless your crop. Awaiting, groaning, all nature, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. God ordained it at the beginning. He gave man that domain. He gave Jesus Christ, and Jesus gave it in his name with this assurance. Ask the Father anything in my name, and I'll do it. Oh, brother, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God, the position, the church. As I said, the book of Ephesians, the book of Joshua and Joshua is placing the people where they belong. And if they wouldn't stand still, he put Ephraim here and, and said he'd run over to Manasseh's land. And this one would come back fussing and stewing. And how are they ever going to get along? One says, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm Pentecostal, I'm oneness, I'm twoness, I'm so-and-so. How are you going to do it? God's wanting to place his church sons and daughters of God. And he said, let me live to see it. This was his prayer. Let me live to see it. He said, I can just, it's so close. I can just feel it with my hands almost. Look like it's right there. And I've longed to see it waiting for the time when walk down the street and there lays a crippled in there. And from his mother's womb, silver and gold have I none. Awaiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Hallelujah. When, they'll, when God will make himself known. When they'll stop sickness. They'll stop cancer. They'll stop diseases. You think cancer is something? The Bible said there's coming a time that men will rot in their, right in their flesh. And the buzzards will eat off the carcasses before they even die. Cancer is a toothache. To what's a coming. But remember, that horrible thing was forbidden in that day to touch those that had the seal of God. And that's what we're striving for now is get in and be positionally placed into the kingdom of God before these horrible plagues strike. Oh, my. He's, so here we are. He's asking the question, where 
are we standing? Felt like he was on the brink or on the edge of it. Said it's so close even now that I could almost seem like feel it with my hands. And I say, where are we standing? Where has God positioned us at? You know, what has the blood done for us? When a bloody lamb stepped forth to take the book and the lucid seals and confers the title upon us. You see, Adam before the fall was in position as a son of God and he operated in faith and with the power and authority of all of heaven behind him. And he spoke and trees moved and he commanded and winds obeyed. He exercised his rights over the animals and called them by name and whatever he called them, that was their name. And then, of course, by Satan coming in and deceiving Eve, because Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression, says the Bible. Then Adam surrendered the title to everything earthly, even his body. And, and so, again, that, that forfeited title deed went back in the hands of Almighty God. And that's where it has remained until the day that we're living in when God, when heaven moves and the, and the seals are open and the mysteries are revealed. We're living in a very great hour. We're right here at the closing of time for the bride of Christ and, and the beginning of eternity for her as she move from this dimension into the eternal dimension. And man, the earth will go on in time, of course, into the millennium and a thousand years and finally come back into eternity itself. But we, we get to go before that time. And I'm glad for that. Because I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to wait for the day for our eternity to begin to leave time and to go into eternity. But, he, but again, the title deed to earth and to eternal life, when Adam forfeited, of course, Satan's dirty hands could not take it. Amen. So it went back in the hands of the original owner, God himself. And there, the title deed to eternal life, when Adam forfeited, went back in the hands of God back into the hands of the owner, and it was been waiting for redemption claims. Amen. Waiting for a time where that there would come, as was pictured in the Bible, a bloody lamb that would step forth and claim the book for man. And, of course, we're living in that time, in that generation. And, and of course, you may ask, what is this title deed? Well, it's an abstract. It is a deed that because it is an abstract, it's been cleared. That, that everything that was against it is, and all the debts and the liens and the claims against it and against us from claiming it has been wiped away. What a place to be standing. Where that a prophet could look out and say that you never did it in the first place. But you're the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. Standing there as though you never did it in the first place. What a place to stand. What a place where the blood has made you to stand. You see, the, the redemption of this book means that all legal possession to everything lost by Adam and Eve 
Amen. That it now comes back in our possession that we possess or we have the right to claim everything that Adam lost, including our immortality. Are you with me? Amen. It's legal possession to the abstract title deed of eternal life means that you possess everything that Adam and Eve lost. You know, Adam couldn't make the requirement for redemption. He had sinned and he had separated himself from God and was across the chasm, a deep chasm, and the fellowship was not there. The camaraderie, the the friendship, the walking with God that he had had and experienced wasn't there any longer. He had crossed the chasm. He had lost lost the ability to operate as a son of God. He was still every bit human. In fact, he was more human. Because now he was not immortal uh, in an immortal body, but a mortal body. And, and so he needed redemption himself, and he couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. Jeremiah couldn't do it. Any of the great prophets of the ages past could not do it. Amen. So God wrapped himself in a blood sail and came and by the spoken word placed himself into the womb of a virgin and in as that earth wrapped around him and built cells around him that here came God dressed in human flesh. Amen. To pay the price of redemption, to be the lamb. So God portrays himself as a lamb and as a sacrifice, the perpetuation and provides a blood that wipes away every stain of sin. Amen. In doing so, when he was here and through his work at Calvary, he wiped out the debt of the Old Testament saints. And they rose with him in a glorious triumph on the day of the resurrection. Those who were kept in Abraham's bosom ascended with him and were raptured up with him. Amen. The Lord, the, the Lord, they went up with the Lord and, and for the living, although that the Holy Spirit had anointed men down through the ages and time, and never had the Holy Spirit ever abode in man that were born in sin because God could not dwell in an unclean vessel. So when he would come down in the past, he would create a body out of the 16 elements and walk in it and appear to Abraham. Is that right? This is the way he would do. And then he would just step out of that body. He would go back to the dust and the way he would go again. And he'd come again and appear to man again. But this time, God was doing something different. He would wrap himself in the, first in the womb of a virgin, and God would take on flesh. Is that right? I want you to think on this flesh, it was, it was flesh that was cursed. It was flesh that was mortal. Are you with me? It was flesh that was, that had not, uh, that, that uh, as the earth was, had not been redeemed and God had cursed the earth, that Jesus wrapped himself, God wrapped himself in cursed earth. And he brought that obedient. Yeah. Right. There at the river Jordan, 
And that, you know, I'm not making this up. You can find this in, in the future home and other sermons like that that Brother Branham preaches. He, he, I'm not making this up. God wrapped himself in cursed earth and he brought that earth down to Jordan. And he said, from this earth, I will start my redemption. And with this one, I will redeem the rest of them. Now, thinking of that, here was the living. The death of the Old Testament saints had been cleared. They rose and took on immortality. They went from there and ascended with him. But what about the living? What about Peter, James, and John and those who, who, were, were, not, who were not translated? What about them? He had paid the debt for both the living and the dead. Is that right? Amen. But they were instructed to go and wait in the upper room until they were empowered from on high. Are you with me now? Amen. So there again, never had the Holy Spirit abode in men until Jesus Christ. And he came and abode with him. And he said, the Holy Ghost that I'll send will abide with you forever. It won't be like the prophets in the Old Testament. They'll come down and anoint man and then, and then lift and come down and anoint and lift and come down and anoint and lift. But this one would abide with you forever. And there on the day of Pentecost, we, we see something happening when God's newborn sons walked out of the upper room. Hallelujah, filled with the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't riches of gold and silver that they had, but it was the riches of the power of the spoken word that the Spirit would start speaking right out of them. Hallelujah. Amen. As it first was manifested in them speaking out in languages, as words came out of their mouths declaring the miracles of God. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all with one accord in one place. With one mind, one accord, one passion. Oh my, think of this. Now, you know, if that had a, a, if that had a boating paper to, to fill out, as to who was going to be the, the next uh, pontiff or next, um, the, the next one that would reign as Herod or the governor, if they were electing and whatever, maybe everybody's, maybe everybody's uh, voting paper was filled out differently. One like this one and one like that one and one this and one had this opinion and that opinion. Let me just tell you, they were still, they were still human. It meant some still liked apple pie and the other preferred cherry. And man, they still had differences, but they had one passion. Amen. They were with one mind on something. And what were they in agreement on? They had a passion, and that was to be a dude with power from on high. That was their passion. That was their drive. That's why they gathered together. Amen. Oh, God, make that our passion. 
Amen. The, the reason we gather, the reason we come together, amen, is not to talk of politics or have our different ideas or each one is doctrine, but everyone have that one passion. That is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. To see the Spirit of God move in the church and give her the same passion, the same drive, the same ambition. Just as they were crying out there for the coming of Christ, the Holy Spirit, we ought to have one passion, one drive. Amen. As we assemble together this morning. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come in this service. Amen. Come amidst us. We have those that need the Holy Ghost. We have those that need sanctification. We have those that need to come to repentance. We have those that need a healing. We have those that need deliverance from their selfishness, from their pride, from their sickness, from their disease. We need Jesus. If there was ever an hour we needed Jesus, it's this hour we need Jesus. And that ought to be the call, the drive, the passion, and the reason for assembling together, even this morning as they were assembling in the upper room. Amen. Amen. It ought to be something, a passion that outweighs every fear, that outweighs every other reasoning. I want one thing. I want to see Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. You know, you know, again, I, I pass churches on the way that are sitting empty because people are afraid of the COVID. They ain't had church in nine months or ten months because they're afraid. And there's reason for fear. There, I mean, you know, there are those that have went to the hospital. Some have died. Many have died. There's been, it's, it's an illness you don't want. But I'll tell you what, you're going, you know, it's going to come by your way, and you might get it in church. Yeah, you might. You might get it camping. Yeah, you might. But it's coming by, and you're going to need a healer. You're going to need a healer. You're going to need the miracle worker. Are you with me? They had one passion. Luke 24, 49, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tear you in Jerusalem until you be with, endued with power from on high. The, again, this was their passion. Oh, I can hear Brother Branham preaching it over again. Sirs, we would see Jesus. I think that again is the cry that ought to be for us in every service. Sirs, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus in our prayers. We want to see him in our songs. We want to see him in our worship. We want to see him in our preaching. We want to see him in the reception of our preaching. We need Jesus. There's never been a time even more important than this one for Jesus. Thinking of it, they were there again, Acts 1 and 4, being assembled together with them. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, 
which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So again, they were instructed as they were waiting with one accord. Verse 8 said, Jesus gave them these words, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. I want you to stop in for a moment because we are now in another time of Pentecost. Now, we're not Azusa Streets. We're, we're not trying to reproduce Azusa Street. That is not our, our purpose. They were not the original. They were not the original vine. They were another graft put on the tree. But we're living the day where another Pentecostal branch must come up out of that root. I want to say that's exactly what God has produced in this day. But don't let it be like when Jesus came looking for fruit and found none, he cursed it. Because this is a time where God is expecting the fruit. The same life, the same power, the same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit of God. Are you with me? Amen. Notice they were on when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They had come down through seven weeks of feast days where they came from the Passover and they marked seven weeks from the, from the day of the unleavened bread until, until Pentecost. And when it had fully come, when the seven weeks had come to its end. This is where we're at. We're not even at the beginning of the last church age. We're at the end of the time and the beginning of eternity. We're right here on the brink of every scripture that has been prophesied to be fulfilled in this hour. That's where we're standing. Amen. We're we're here in the last days, little children. This is where we're at. Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Amen. I'd like to see the church in one place. I don't mean in this building. I don't mean in Louisiana. I don't mean in the United States. I don't mean one place in the world somewhere and all gathered here, there, there, like some cult gathering. That's not what I'm talking about. But when I would like to see us all in one place, that means is that we see our place in the Scripture. That we understand that we're here in the fulfillment of all the promises of God. That even as Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, we are living in the time and the day where we fulfill the New Testament. They were all with one accord. They had one accord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, sweet spirit. There's a promise given to us. And we want it. And we're not leaving till we get it. We're going to stay in this place. We're going to stay in this position until we receive it. 
Somebody with me? Amen. This is exactly where we are. We are here in the fulfillment of Scripture, and we must stay steady. We must look here. You know, you you don't know what's going to be coming. Who can predict? I can't predict. Will there be riots break out in the street? Will there be pandemonium everywhere? Will there be militias and fighting and and wars and, and civil war? I don't know what's coming. Nobody else does either. God holds it in his hands. And it really doesn't matter what they do out there. What are you doing? (laughs) We're a winner either way. We can't lose. Amen. No matter who wins in the White House, we can't lose. Amen. Again, I'm praying that the man that will be the one that will, will usher in the end time, the one that God has ordained, that he steps into place. Whoever that is. Now, but anyway, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and one place. And again, I, wanna, I want to go back over it again just to drill it into you. We want to see that they were told to gather at a place, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. All of these words that have been spoken to them, stay there, tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Now, we're not waiting on the Holy Ghost to come. He's already come. He's already here. Even the pillar of fire, people said, well, where is it? Brother Branham said, and Brother Branham said, and I didn't bring the quote with me today, but he says, he, he said, you know, it's not me that, that has the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire is in the church. It's in his people. Somebody help me preach. That's where he is. The pillar of fire is among us. He hadn't left us. As Brother Branham would say, when I leave the city, the Holy Spirit will not leave. Now, Brother Branham's been gone almost as long as he was here. Next year in 2021, he will be, in in December, he he will be gone as long as he was here upon the earth. He's already been gone longer than what he ministered here on the earth. And we're in overtime. If he was saying back then that the coming of the Lord is past due, what about now? Amen. So here, here again, this, these are what they had one, one accord was. And what's got to be the one accord that we have? What is the thing that we must be saying in our hearts? Now, come on, church. You know that we're in the time of delay where men say that the Lord has delayed his coming. For since the prophets have fallen asleep, all things remain as it was from the beginning. You know it's in this time Jesus predicted if we would have this time. And he said the servants would begin to fight one another and beat one another. So in other words, we, and we've seen plenty of arguments and debates and everything else. 
Somebody help me preach. Amen. This is a part of the time of delay. And we started out on this. And that was, we, we had a heart. We, were, we wanted to see the coming of the Lord. But as time goes along, what do we do? Now we're, we're focusing more on tarrying till he comes. Rather than his coming. So more preparations are being made. More thought is being put into how do we stay here? How do we best survive things that are coming? How do we prepare for what's coming? And that's the wrong focus. Amen. Our hope is not on how we can fortify ourselves. I know gun sales are out of the roof. Weapons and, and, and ammo and preparations and plans and food and everything else is advertisement. Everybody buy this certain thing, you know, so you'll survive. I'll tell you, I'm not interested in surviving. I'm interested in leaving. We got a crazy world out there, and I don't want to stay with the crazies. Amen. I want to leave with those who have their mind on Christ. And this is where that, that, that it had to be a focus on. They were looking for his coming then, the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus, the, the Spirit of Jesus. Somebody with me? We're looking for the coming of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And we know, we know before he materializes in the sky and we meet him in the air that he's first got to be seen in a bright body. Amen. Amen. There's been the groom coming 2,000 years ago. And of course, we look to the meeting in the air, but he's not coming to the earth. We meet him in the air. But on earth, there's got to be a coming. And that's a bride of people who have made themselves ready, of people who know their God and do his exploits. People who are under expectation for his coming. Well, I'll tell you, when people get their eyes on his coming and they prepare for his coming, there's no divorces in the church. There's no fighting in the home. There's no rebellion. Come on. Amen. Sin goes out the, out the door because people's heart are on the coming. But when people get their eyes off the coming and they get their eyes on tarrying and that the Lord has delayed his coming. Somebody with me? Amen. And then it just seemed like it's just going to go on and on and on and on. Hey, friends, there comes a time where that everything wraps up. And the Bible prophesied it would be this. And here we are in this day, this time. And we're standing at a particular place. Amen. Where that scripture is being fulfilled right here in this hour. And we got to recognize where we're standing and have the one mind, the one accord on the right thing. Here again, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, you know, things happen suddenly. Suddenly, we hear about a virus that will change our lives. Suddenly, they, they will say peace and safety, and suddenly destruction will come. Right here while you've been sleeping, you know, one accord after accord has been done with Israel. Amen. Never has been a time where, you, where they could ever dream that there would be peace with Israel. And acceptance. And they're, they're signing them on board one after another after another. Is somebody with me? Amen. But when they can say peace and safety, then comes sudden. Let me tell you about the rapture just for a minute. You think you're going to have a lot of warning about the rapture? That they're just going to be, you know, everybody in this euphoria and whatever. I'll tell you what, in many ways, it'll be just like another day. And the only way you're going to know it is if you're walking with him. Just like you do every day. Serving him just like you do every day. Praying just like you do every day. Living for him just like you do every day. You see, by the time you find out what's going on, it's going to be too late. You got to be in tune now. Enoch walked with God. He got into position and he stepped into that position, and it wasn't long. He was changed. Now, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 11, Cretes and Arabian, we do hear them in our speaking our tongues, the wonderful works of God. So their mouths were, were not just jabbering something. They were saying something. And when the feasts of weeks were fulfilled, they were here in one accord in the upper room, and suddenly comes a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that fills the house, and there appeared unto them a pillar of fire. The same one that was with Moses is now come to lead the church. Amen. The same one that was there down through the ages. Here he was to lead the church. The same one that was seen by Saul on the road to Damascus that said, I am in Jesus whom you persecute. Jesus had returned, but not in a corporal body, but in, the, in his Holy Spirit. And the sound as it came was a roar like a rushing mighty wind and a whirling ball of fire came into the room and licks uh, portions of that fire began to spread out from it and separate and come in and it would fling out here and it would fall on this one and it would fall on that one and fall on that one until all that were in the house, 120 of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and out of their mouths came words 
declaring the wonderful works of God expressed now in many different languages. The curse of Babylon with its confusion of language was reversed on that day. Amen. When one heavenly language that was understood in every tongue and dialect, because God would be having a bride out of every kindred, tongue, nation, tribe, and people, and they would all speak one language. Hallelujah. These words that brought amazement and conviction to some and mockery from others. You know, everybody has mixed reactions. You get mockery from some, amazement from others, conviction from more. Amen. And it must have spilled out into the street. Amen. Because soon there was a crowd of God-fearing Jews who came to Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And they, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together and, and they were bewildered and astonished. Because each one heard in their own language it being spoken, declaring the wonderful works and the miraculous power of God. Amen. Now the bride is not in Jerusalem alone. There might be somebody there. Amen. You know, it's not in, in one locale alone. She's all over the world. Are you with me? Amen. But every place must come to the position where they are declaring the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. He healed cancer. He healed alopecia. He healed stomach trouble. He healed healed eye trouble, kidney trouble, this, that, and the other. Whatever it is, he changed my life. The wonderful works of God spoke in every assembly. That's what we got to see, church. We've had a lot of theology and fussing and fighting and everything else, but what we need is the people to be able to say, God is with us. He's the healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. My God reigns. He's there over every situation. Amen. He'll never leave us or forsake us. A people who know their God. Now, others mocked saying these are drunk on some sort of new or strange wine. Don't forget, the rapture hour is one of the most times of mockery that there's ever been. With the coming of the Lord, the Bible said that scoffers shall arise, saying, where is the sign of his coming? And Brother Branham, when he preaches the rapture message, the first half of his sermon is on the scoffers. Amen. So don't think you're going to get by this unscathed. That you're not scoffed at and mocked and ridiculed. Don't think, young people, that you can go through this and not be ridiculed and made fun of and called old-fashioned or whatever word. You're just not cool or whatever word there is. Are you with me? It's part of the coming. And living in this day when you see the mockery now that's even made against the message of the hour, understand, it's part of the rapture message. There has to be scoffers in place. Just like there had to be sodomites in the days of Lot. Each people, each one have their place. And they are finding their places. 
Some are finding their places as sodomites. Some are finding their places as Lodites. You know, just good people, lukewarm believers. But some people are Abrahams. Some people the mysteries have been revealed to. Some people have been told they're going to receive the promised son. That's their message. And they're under expectation. And some of those people are looking for the angel to come again. Come on. Sarah, I will return to you according to the time of life. Amen. We ought to be today in this building looking for the angel's appearance. Amen. To tell us the time is here. That we are in the hour. We are in the time. Think of that. But these others mocking, saying these are drunk. And Peter stood up and words came out of his mouth. Amen. Some of these words were scriptures. And these scriptures became anointed. Remember, remember, we're looking at something, but a transformation. Here Adam comes way back at the beginning. He's made to be the God of the earth. He has everything under his control. Everything is under his dominion by words. He spoke and it happened. He said, let there be and it was. He moved this tree by his words. Not sweat of the brow that came with the curse. Amen. But with words. Somebody with me now. Amen. And you don't think your words mean anything? And you don't think your words don't have power? Hello, somebody. And here comes Here comes the first thing that happens in the upper room is words. And they're declaring, God's among us. They're declaring the wonderful, miraculous power and works of God. And then others begin to mock and and say, how can this be? They're, They're drunk on wine. And a whole crowd had gathered. And Peter said, you know, these people are not drunk as you're supposed. This is only nine o'clock in the morning. Amen. No, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Is somebody with me now? Amen. Now, what is it? The light of that fire began to illuminate scripture. And Peter could say, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. He can say, this is where we're standing. We're right here at Joel's prophecy. Amen. This, uh, that in the last days, saith God. How many believe we're in the last days? Amen. Amen. Brother Branham would say these last days would cover 2,000 years, so we're in the last of the last days. Amen. In the last days, says, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Started out there in Jerusalem upon Jewish people. But it ends up on all people. Is that right? Amen. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirits in those days. And they shall prophesy. Notice the words will come out of their mouth. I want you to see words that have power. Words that will change things. Words that can create. 
Words that declare he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Words that declare he's a miraculous, almighty, unchanging God. Words. Amen. He would quote also from the Psalms a couple of places to give scriptural proof of the resurrection of the Messiah as the light of that fire began to give these scriptures their true meaning. Understand, they had been misinterpreted for years and years and years. But now, when the Spirit came, when the anointing came, when the fire fell, it illuminated the Word. Amen. Oh, my. Then he, would, then he would talk about the Messiah and point him in the Scripture. And he said, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also shall rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. Amen. You have made me to know. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. This word countenance is your face, your presence. Amen. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Listen, when the Holy Ghost comes, that's what it does. It makes known to you the ways of life. Amen. It makes you full of joy in his presence. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my, that a people could realize. We're in an hour and a time that there should be more joy than ever. There should be a rejoicing going on. We're in the end time. We're in the last days. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Whatever you do is I often pray, don't leave us here. Now, these supernaturally inspired words and the influence of these words would never stop. I want you to understand, they never stop. And they will never stop until every predestinated, preordained son of God is filled with joy in his presence. Amen. It would continue to that day from Pentecost to the end of the world. Let me tell you today, you can make, you can, he'll make known to you the path of life. He'll show you who you were before the world began. He'll show you you were in his thinking. Come on. Amen. And that you're here in time doing what you did in eternity in his mind. Because in his mind, he saw you shouting and rejoicing over every trial, over every problem, over every situation. Somebody help me preach. Amen. He's already seen you in victory. So now how can I be defeated when he, the vision, has already seen me overcoming death, hell, and the grave, sin, sickness, disease? He will show you the path of life. He will make known the joy of thy presence. Oh, brother, there's nothing like the joy of his presence. Nothing like it. The Bible said in his presence is the fullness of joy. Is that right? Amen. So, so again, there thou shalt make known the joy of his presence. I, I'll, I'll read you something here in a minute. Maybe I, can, maybe I can just scroll down here and find it, but I've got a little quotation where Brother Bradham talks about that. Let, let me just, we'll just pick it up as we go. But anyway, as we're talking about this, here, here he's, 
he is seeing, you know, what you're seeing is not drunk men, but you're seeing men who are, who are anointed and filled and intoxicated with another spirit. It ain't the spirit of wine. It's the spirit of the God. It's the Holy Ghost. And it's anointing you. Hallelujah. Oh, listen to me. Listen to this. As, he, as, as Peter began to say these supernaturally inspired words. These, he's speaking life-changing words. Life-empowering words. Words that once received in the heart will change that heart forever. Peter speaking these words. It was not only that the beam of that fire was beaming or shining its light upon men, but now it gives inspiration to a preacher. Is that right? And Peter began to preach. And the light of that pillar of fire shone upon the scripture that had laid dormant for ages. And revelation came to scripture that was being fulfilled in that hour. And he said, what you're seeing is not drunk men. Men under influence are intoxicated, but rather men uh, that, uh, that have received the pouring out of the spirit of Jesus who you have crucified and who has ascended and he's poured out his spirit upon all flesh. And he would describe him, you know, he said, David said, God would not leave him a descendant that didn't sit on the throne. And he said, here Christ is ascended and he sent it to the right hand of God and he reigns. And he sent back his spirit. In verse 29, he would tell them about this. He said, you know, fellow Israelites, I can tell you this confidentially, that this patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. But he swore with an oath. God swore to him with the oath that, they would, that he would place one of his descendants upon his throne. And he said, seeing what was coming, he spoke of the resurrection and of the Messiah, that he was not going to abandon his body in the realm of the dead, or neither would he see his body decay. And he says, God has raised up Jesus to life. And we're all witnesses of it. He exalted him to the right hand of God. And he's received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he's poured it out upon you. And that's what you're seeing and hearing. For he said, David had not ascended to heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. That God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, as Christ the Messiah, he's pouring out his spirit. He's pouring it out from his throne on high. His own Holy Spirit. I want you to get this. Not a second person, not a third person, but the very spirit, the very life of Jesus is being poured out. The very character of Jesus is being poured out, and it, it fills every one of those with the Holy Spirit. And as the Bible said, that they, they, they began to testify or witness. They began to speak 
of the wonderful works of God. This is what the Holy Ghost will do. People look for this evidence or that evidence. Let me tell you what it will do. It will cause your life. It will speak out of your life the wonderful works of God. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my savior. I once was lost in sin. I was a smoker. I was a drunkard. I was a doper. I was a thief. That's what I was, but that's not what I am because a miracle has taken place and has changed me from death into life. No more will it tell the awful deeds of deniers Betrayers, liars, thieves, dopers, adulterers, smokers, or drinkers. But rather, the life will tell the wonderful works of God. This spirit will not display intellectual voices and words of man. It will not spout out the egotism of man. I came from Baylor, from Bob Jones. I learned this from the UPCI. I got this from the Assembly of God. But rather men that are ignorant and unlearned. Like Peter the fisherman was, was that he would have the scripture illuminated to him. So much that others had no, would know this man had been with Jesus. And let me tell you, it was not, would not be a dry lecture. I don't know where we get it in the message. You know, a, a rise of these dry lectures, people, men that never know the anointing, never know the moving of the Spirit of God. You see, that's not what was on the day of Pentecost. That's not what happened anywhere. You know, again, an anointed preacher. Why, a few days after this, he was at, they were at the temple gate and they saw a very broken piece of humanity. A man who was born with a birth defect, with club feet. His feet and his ankle bones were so weak and twisted that he was hideously and hopelessly crippled. He was born that way and he was considered accursed. It was thought that a person who had afflictions like these were, oh, were cursed with a generational curse because of some sin that his mom and dad did or his grandparents did or his great-grandparents did. And he lived under that. I'm cursed. I'm rejected. I'll always be, you know, an eyesore, something different. I, 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 something's wrong. He existed on begging and asking alms of everybody that come by. And, and that day when, when Peter and James, when John, uh, Peter and John would come into to the gate called Beautiful, let me tell you something, friend. Suddenly, this man's life was about to be changed forever. Again, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. Suddenly, the Lord will come. Suddenly, here we are in a day and a time where things are happening quickly. Suddenly, 
And suddenly, here he is, and he's standing in front of not just men, but God-men. Amen. Come on, church. He had never seen men like this. Because there had never been men like this. There had been a man like this. His name was Jesus, but now there were men like this. Amen. This was not a man anointed. This was a man who the Spirit abode in. This was a man that power would come out of his mouth. Somebody help me preach. Amen. And he, 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 he asked, he held out his hand asking for silver or gold, for alms, for money. Ask for something. And Peter said to him, we can only give people what we have. Come on. Some of you missed it. went right over your head. Amen. Said we, Peter said, we can only give you what we got. Amen. He couldn't give him silver and gold. He didn't have any. But he had something. And he said, I can only give you what we got. Amen. And I just want to say to the church, you can't give people what you don't have. Amen. Many of these backslidden churches sitting out there, you can't give the Holy Ghost if you don't got it. You can't give divine healing if you don't have it. Amen. You can't give joy if you don't have joy. You can't give peace if you don't have peace. But oh, there's a people that's got it. Hallelujah. They know that joy. They know that peace. They know the healer. And the healer isn't somebody that comes down once in a while. The healer abides with them. They had something to give. And the last day church has to be standing in the place, in the position. They have something to give. Too many churches are bankrupt. Too many Christians are bankrupt. Amen. But but Peter had something. And he looks at him and said, we can only give you what we got. Now, a few days before that, they didn't have anything to give. But now, after receiving what they had received, they had something to give. How many's got the Holy Ghost this morning? You got something to give. Don't hide it under a bushel. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't run scared of it. You got something to give. Amen. It can change lives. It can speak inspired words. It can speak words of healing and life. Peter reached down and just helped him to his feet and said, rise up. And I want you to know, using the power of creative, restorative, spoken word, Peter commanded him to rise up and walk. And there were snaps and crackles and popping as his ankle bones and his feet became straight. And the Bible said he went leaping and jumping and praising God. Amen. Oh, God 
Deliver us from a bankrupt church. Amen. You know, today we can give silver and gold. We'll help you with your hospital. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. We can pull out and we'll, you know, and the church has done that. The Catholic Church has got St. Jude's. The Methodist Church has got lots of different hospitals, including Willis Knighton there in, in Freeport. Catholic Church has got church has got has got hospitals everywhere. That's what they have to give. But the real church has got to have something real to give. Amen. Listen. And he said, rise up and use creative words. Look, these were the, this was the same power that Adam used before the fall. The same power. Is somebody with me? The word operating with the same power that Adam would say to this tree be plucked up and moved over there. Or he would call the animals down and bring peace. Or perhaps he would, in his rule, he would rule and, and tell the wind, peace be still. But now, here's a son of God. And he's got creative words in his mouth. And using the power of that creative, restorative word, he says to a crippled man who is hideously, hopelessly crippled, who has no faith. But Peter's got some because he's not bankrupt. Again, God give us a church in this end time that's not bankrupt. They got plenty of faith. They believe God's word. They put it to test. They see it work. Is somebody with me? Amen. So you would say, I don't have Peter. Peter, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And taking him by the right hand, he helps him up. And instantly his feet and ankles become strong and he comes jumping and and leaping and and praising God. And when the people saw him doing this, they recognized him as the man who had sat at the gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And they all gathered at him and Peter said, my friends, why do you gaze at us as if we had the power to do this? Why does this even surprise you? Why do you stare at us like it's our own power or godliness that made this man walk? By faith in the name of Jesus. This man who you see was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And then Peter began to tell them, but this is not just for us. Amen. It's for everybody who will receive it. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. You can become a son of God, a daughter of God. Amen. And he said, and he, and he, he began to preach to them of how God had sent Jesus and they had crucified him and rejected him. 
And then in verse 19, he says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. So repent and turn to God. That's what converted means. Turn to God. Turn around. Turn to God. So your sins may be wiped out, annihilated, dipped in blood. Let the bleach take care of it. Wipe every molecule of sin until it changes, until it lands back on the head of the accuser. Come on, somebody. Amen. Until your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing, the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. The way you prepare for it is you prepare for it by repentance, by turning to God, by seeking Him with your whole heart. Come on. Remember where we was talking about a while ago? Amen. Getting in that one accord. Get your mind on one thing. I've got to have this one thing. I must have Jesus. Amen. You know, I'm I'm sorry. We cannot give you Jesus magically. He comes in your heart when you repent, when you surrender, when you yield to the Holy Spirit, when you invite him into your life. That's when he'll come. Amen. Notice when times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know, we can expect that every service. We can expect that every day. We can expect that every hour. Times of refreshing to come from the presence of the Lord. Oh my, the Holy Ghost is that refreshing. Amen. Oh my, it is the rest. How many knows that in the Bible that, that God set aside a day for man to rest? Sure he did. He also said an order that every male of the, of the children of Israel must be circumcised. Yeah, it was to be a sign in the flesh that that seed, the issue from that, from that man was claimed by God as his people. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. But we don't practice circumcision today, do we? You know why? Because we got a new circumcision, a greater one. It's the circumcision of the heart that cuts off the flesh. But every male, every person, every man or woman who is not circumcised will perish. They will be cut off. You know, I was reading in the Bible when God gave this to Abraham the other, the other day. I was reading, I believe he was, I believe he was 90, 99 years old, something like that. Ishmael was 12. This may be a little carnal, but that hurt. And I'm just going to say to you, the longer you wait, the more it's going to hurt. Somebody with me? Amen. So surrender now. Surrender now. Amen. You know, you covenant, this was to be a covenant with God 
where God was claiming and it, you know, it wasn't somebody ever, that's something everybody could see and neither is it in you. It's something in the heart and everybody can't see it. But God knows. Amen. And everyone that don't receive it is cut off among his people. Is that right? Amen. Now, there was a Sabbath day. It was a rest day. Of course, man made it into law. He made it so strict until it became burdensome to bear. It was made to give them a, a nice day of rest, and they made it impossible. When I went to Israel a few years ago, you know, they had, they had um, the, with their elevators, they had um, the, the fast elevators, they had another elevator. And on the Sabbath day, it, it was programmed to stop at every floor. So if you had 10 floors to, to, to climb, you went one, door open, two, door open, three, door open, closed, four, and you waited all that time because you couldn't dare push a button. It would be sinning to push a button. And they made it things impossible. God gave it to them, and they actually crucified Jesus over their ideas. Come on. Oh, yeah. They crucified Jesus over, over their legalism. Legalism will cause you to crucify Jesus. Legalism. Of your do's and don'ts and everything got to be just this way and this way and this way and this way will cause you to reject the Messiah. Amen. It's only when you come into grace, yes, right. amen, where it's no longer law. Is somebody with me now? But I want you to understand that, that this, was, this time of refreshing would be a rest. And it would replace the Sabbath rest. Now, there's people that still worship on Saturday and they go to church on Saturday. You know, we, we had um, many years ago, I, um, I used to show goats and, and um, there was a lady orthodontist, she's Seventh-day Adventist, and, and uh, you know, she, she, uh, was, um, uh, she was uh, go on goats and was showing, showing them at the place, but she was Seventh-day Adventist, a Sabbatarian. And, you know, I, I, I didn't show goats on Sunday. I'd pack up and go home. Well, it convicted her. So, well, I'm not going to show goats on Saturday because that's the true Sabbath. And there I look at her with short hair, painted, halter top and shorts, you know, paint, uh, paint everywhere. And I'm, and I'm looking at her, and she's trying to be holy. She's trying to do something here, you know, where she's going to, she going to, worship on Saturday and and here here that was a type just like circumcision that had already been fulfilled because when you receive the Holy Ghost you enter into a Sabbath rest you're no longer working for your salvation 
You don't have to struggle. I, if I could just quit this, or if I could quit that, or if I could quit smoking, if I could quit drinking, if I, if I could just quit, you know, I, you know, I want to, but I can't. I, this is so aggravating. You don't have to stop at every floor. You know, all, all of, it all just vanishes away. When you get the Holy Ghost, you enter into a rest. And you rest from your labors as God did from his. And it brings a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. And it's a refreshing and many refreshing. And every day is a refreshing because every day you're in a Sabbath rest. No more slave to sin. No more slave to fear. No more slave to unbelief. You're free. The Bible said in Isaiah 28 and 9, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept and precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is refreshing, yet they were not here. Now he's speaking of Israel. Now if you look at it on one side, here he took and he said, okay, you won't let the land rest. You won't honor things that I have put into place. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make it rest. I'm going to take a strange tongue and a strange people. They're going to carry you away captive into Babylon. And I'll give the land rest, the Sabbath rest. I, there will be a rest. And, and so he carried them away, but they still wasn't here. So once I, that's the Old Testament and the application there. But in this, notice this, whom shall he teach knowledge? To whom shall he give the wisdom? Oh, he said, them that are weaned from the, uh, and, and make to understand doctrine, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. And he said, precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little, but I tell you with stammering lips and other tongues, will I speak to this people? This is something Brother Branham preached and used about the Holy Ghost all the way to the end of his ministry. You hardly hear it preached anymore. But this is exactly the scripture he would go to. He said, with stammering lips and other tongue, I will, will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet I believe there's a people here that are here what the Spirit is saying. Though the world will not receive it. Amen. There's somebody going to listen. Amen. When a church like this exists like this, sin cannot stay in its midst. Amen. Not only is sin exposed, but it's dealt with and it's called out by the Holy Ghost. Amen. This was a church in its in in purity. Listen, children. We're living in a time where the devil is going about like a roaring lion. Amen. Looking for someone to devour. You're to resist him. Did you hear those words? You are to resist him. You hear the things you see, the things you know that are going on. Look at it. It's, it's there. It's on your phone. It's there on your computer. It's there in the streets. It's everywhere. Come on. 
Amen. The devil is there, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. But resist him. Stand strong in the faith. Because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Amen. But look, in that early church, here they walk out of that upper room. Now here are men empowered like Adam. They are changing. Things are changing. Things are happening. And they're walking out, see a man with crippled. They're declaring the mighty works of God. And among them, the devil tries to enter in. And the Bible tells you that when they had gathered, all the believers were in one heart and one mind. In fact, the matter is, they were loving, giving, caring bunch of people. It wasn't all about me and mine and our survival, but they were also interested in the needs of others. And they shared everything that they had. And I'm not talking about a forced communism in a church or a cult movement. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost leading every heart and having a genuine love and concern for one another. Amen. And, and, and so, again, the Bible tells us that with great power, the apostles continued to minister and testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the, God's grace was so powerfully at work among them all. And, and they, there was no needy people among them because from time to time, those that had houses or, or land, they would, they, they would sell them. And they would bring their money from the sales and lay it at the apostles' feet. There was a, I'm just simply saying there was a care and a love for one another. A concern about the needs of others. Are you with me? Even Joseph, a, a Levite from Cyprus that the, the, the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a, a field that he owned and, and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. There was no big ones or no little ones. Such a love and genuine concern for others. What is mine is now ours. And if there was a need, there would be someone to sell a possession, put it to the apostles' feet. There must have been a real sense among them that we're leaving for the rapture is imminent. And we won't even need this. Now, Brother Branham said it was actually the working, the acts of the Holy Spirit. He said, anointing them that way. He said, because when the persecution came, they had no place to, to, to go and shelter. And they went out to the world and dispersed the gospel everywhere. You see, we get it in our minds that we are to store up, provide for ourselves. But when, it's, when your mind's on the coming of the Lord, it isn't about you anymore. It isn't about what we're going to possess here. It's about one focus. Let's get ready to leave. This is what I'm talking about. Where are we standing now? We're at the culmination of the ages. You say, Brother Tim, they weren't looking for the come of the Lord. Oh, yes, it was. Even Paul said, you know, beloved, I'll show you a mystery. 
Amen. He would say in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, you know, concerning those who are asleep, I would that you sorrow not. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. And we, we that are alive and remain shall be changed and be like them. Is that right? Amen. This was the cry. This was the crux. This was their message. And I want to just say to you, they could have been raptured. They were, a, they were a seed church. And they could have been taken in the garner. But God had other names on the book that had not been manifested on the earth. And so instead of taking them in the garner, he planted them. And they come up through Luther and Wesley and all the way back. But I'm going to tell you, we're back to seed again. And behold, I show you a mystery. Amen. This is no longer a mystery. This is a day of fulfillment. This is a day where rapture is happening. Amen. The word has come to a prophet as the Lord descended with a shout, with a message. And a message came to a prophet of God. And from that message, it took flesh in the lives and hearts of the people. And I'm talking to a living, walking, talking bride. A people that's got something to say. A people that's got power in their words. A people who know their God. They didn't care about possessions. They were writing songs. And I cannot feel at home in this world anymore. All I've got is leaving on my mind. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And with joy. We welcome his returning. Oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. And this became to be the cry of their heart. Come. I don't want to be in a service you don't come, Jesus. Who wants to be in a church where Jesus doesn't come? Come on. But one Ananias and Sapphira conspired against the Lord. They sold their property and kept back some just in case this new religion didn't work out. You know, it was their land. They weren't required to give the sale of it. They could have kept back. They could keep back any part of of it for themselves. But they made a pretense of giving all. How many times have we dealt with this kind of thing down through our walk? People who made a pretense of having surrendered all. They pretend. And they pretended, you know, that they had given everything and Thus, in their deeds, they lied to the Holy Ghost and God judged them for it. 
you know, there in that early church, God laid the bodies of Ananias and Sapphira in the path of every hypocrite who would seek to enter the church. And here was people walking to the church. Now listen, this is hardly any different from when they went into the new land. Here they come in the new land of the Holy Ghost. And they're walking right now into the new land of the Holy Ghost, the apostles were. Just like hundreds of years before, Israel had walked into a new land. And here in this new land, they were devoting everything to God. You know, what happened to the time where the church used to, when the people of God used to devote everything? Their time. Yeah, you know, you know don't, don't get in your mind at all. I'm trying to get your money in your pocketbook. I'm not, worried. I'm, I'm not even concerned about that. Well, but what about it today? They, you know, again, where, where Christians used to have something, they would pray all night. They would call on God. They'd make a full surrender of everything. Is somebody with me? And here Israel, they go into the land and they devote everything. They devote everything at Jericho to God. They declared it all holy. And everything, all the spoils would be, would be given to God. And Achan, and Achan saw a Babylonian garment and a wedge of gold. And he caused Israel to miserably fail. Somebody with me now. Now we come into the new land. We come into the new land. And in this new land, the Holy Ghost is moving. Healings are taking place. Miracles are happening. People are being filled with deity. And in the midst... Satan puts in the heart, here comes the devil coming in. And here comes a hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's kind of a bad word today. You know, we use it, ah, that's a hypocrite. Hypocrite in that day was just an actor. It was a Greek word, common name for an actor, just like we say this actor or actress played on this movie or whatever. This was a hypocrite. Hypocrite was an actor. And Jesus began to call them Pharisees and Sadducees. You're just actors. That's all you are is acting. And they get in the new church now. And I want you to know here, these make a pretense of giving their all. I tell you, when we're standing at a place right now where there there can't be pretenders. We got to be for real. We can't just go along and play church. It's a serious hour that we're in. Think of this. Words now begin spoken out of the mouth of a son of God that brings upon these sudden judgment, suddenly. The same word that brings life now brings death to imposters and pretenders. 
I wonder if that's not where we're standing at. Where the very message that a rapture church will bring death to imposters and pretenders. As I said, God laid the bodies of Ananias Sapphira in the path of every hypocrite. As a reminder, don't get in this church. This will happen to every hypocrite. Now, we're not, you know, in, in that, as I, I want to go back over it again, Achan, as it going to the new land, death comes on a pretender. We come into this new land, death comes upon a pretender. Both of them are now greed, pretending, hiding, putting things away. But this time, like that time, God's not letting them get by with it. And we're living in a time of great judgment where God is not going to let people just get on by with pretending and playing church and just being actors. You're going to be a sincere amen, or you're not going to have the power to bind the serpent. This is a time where it separates the men from the boys, as it were. For the same word that brings life, brings death to imposters. Again, this is not a return to the harshness of the Old Testament, but rather when the church stands in its position, a stern warning of the swift judgment follows sin. Amen. You know, again, the same thing happened there in, with, with Cyprus and Elemis. Let me, let me just stop there for a moment. Words come out of the mouth of a son of God. Words speaking. I, I, I want you to get something that what happened in the upper room empowered the people. Like it did Adam. It put to them a clear deed. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you also have a clear deed. And it puts you in the, in the position of speaking. And here he was speaking. They were speaking the wonderful works of God. Now they're speaking again. And, and, and a lame man walks. And now he speaks again. And out of his mouth says Ananias. Ananias. Satan has put in your heart. Think of that. Satan has put this in your heart. Here people were being filled with the Holy Ghost, and here's a man right in their midst that starts getting filled with Satan. And now begins, here as he, as he begins to, to amplify the very spirit now of deception and he comes into the church. Now, you know, again, again, the way it was, the way it was that, that you know, he, he saw Joseph called Barnabas. He saw him do it. And, the, you know, it, it, he wanted to be in the same status. Looked on with the same look. So he comes out. Now it's his to give. He could have kept back part of it, only gave part. Amen. He could have said, Peter, I sold this for $20,000 and I've kept $10,000. My wife and I, well, we just didn't have the whatever, the wherewithal to give it all. We, we want to give you the, the $10,000. That would have been acceptable. But he lied. 
He pretended to give all and laid it at the apostles' feet. And when he did, when he did, death struck him. Out of Peter's mouth came words, and he fell dead. And here come, as they bundled him up and took him out to, bur- to bury him, here comes his wife in and said, he gives her a chance. He gives her a chance to repent, to be truthful, to be honest. And he said, did you really sell this for such and such? Yea, we did. So, well, the men that came in, that are walking in, that just buried your husband, will carry you out. And down she fell. What was it? When the church stands in its position, there's no more playing church anymore. I want you to get this. You know, we, we as a church should not look for members. We should look for newborn Christians to be born again and empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen. Not just associates that just come along and want to float with the crowd. It's a time where pretenders have to drop away. That if there ever was a time for people to be sincere and dedicated and consecrated, it's now. One of the last things Brother Branham said in the message communion, he said, you know, the hour will soon arise when right among us will be the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias, Sapphira. Remember that hour is arriving. Now you just remember that, that God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. God is going to dwell among us. And with this holy God, he don't want pretension. Listen, it was this incident with Ananias and Sapphira that would establish the authority of the church. The keys of the kingdom was theirs to use. It was there to loose or to bind. Are you with me? Amen. The Holy Spirit would reveal to Peter the secret of sin. And, and, and you know, these that were, you know, looking like they were given everything. They were generous, but they were just given for the, the sake of status. How often has that happened? Where that, that people, they actually do something. They try to serve God for the purpose of status. To be accepted. How many of you, a young girl has been ruined or a young boy has been ruined because the person that they were choosing was a pretender? And for the status to be married, to be attached, to be accepted, they pretended. I'm telling you, we're standing on the brink of eternity. We're standing in a place, it's a serious hour that we're in. And, and, and these, these people, Ananias and Sapphira, they were not outsiders, and neither were they enemies of the church, but they were a hindrance inside it. And where we are standing, the hindrance will leave. Amen. 
So if you don't want on this Holy Ghost boat. Now, you know, I, I, I can see question marks popping up. Everybody says, who in the world are you talking about? I am preaching. I am not talking, I'm not singling out one individual. And this is not, this is to you, but it's not to you. I'm saying this is a time where we are standing. It's a time of seriousness. It's a time of dedication. It's a time of consecration. It's a time where your joy must be the Lord. Amen. Amen. Where, where that he becomes a place where you rest. And that pretending is over with. But that you're real and genuine. I mean, come on. When we see things like this begin to happen and the Holy Spirit begin to move in such a way and, and we're here at the end time. God's going to dwell among his people and where there's a holy God, it will separate the unholiness among us because he circumcises the heart. Listen, Brother Branham said in a total deliverance, he said, when the church shall come be completely delivered when everything comes under the blood, when your sins come under the blood, when you're smoking, you're gambling, you're cheating, you're stealing, when you're lying, when everything is brought in the blood, then there'll be a total deliverance. If you wrong somebody, make it right. You can't bring that under the blood. It won't stay. You can't bring it. Somebody, something won't let you do it. When, when yourself is completely, totally brought under the blood, There will be a total deliverance. Then you'll have a freedom like you've never known before. When everything's brought under the blood and brought in submission to the kingdom of God, then there will be a real deliverance. And look what happened in Acts 5.11. Look what happened after Ananias and Sapphira. You think it stopped it. You think it it caused a, a, a quell in their hearts. But there was a great Fear or reverence. The the entire church was seized with a powerful fear of God, which came all over everybody that heard what happened. And what happened then? The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and they were all with one accord. Look what the results of this was. Amen. It purged the church. And when it purged the church, amen, there was even more miracles and signs and wonders done. And the believers were wonderfully united. That's what it means. They were in one accord. They met regularly at the temple. We ought to meet regularly. Every time the church doors come open. Amen. Jesus had a habit. It was his custom to go to church. He went into synagogue and as was his custom. Amen. You said, well, I don't want it to be a custom. I don't want it to be a ritual. It's one ritual you better have. That we assemble together even so much the more as we see that day approaching. Amen. But coming with an expectancy, I want to see God. I want to see Jesus. It's a time of refreshing, and I don't want to miss it. Amen. And, and there was more and more 
believed in the Lord and were added to the number of great crowds of men and women. In fact, when the people knew that Peter was going to walk by, they would carry the six out to the street, laid them on cots and mats, and there was an incredible power that was emanating from him that would overshadow them and would heal them. Amen. Great numbers of people swarmed to Jerusalem from the nearby villages, and they brought the sick, and those were troubled with demons, and everyone was healed. You talk about a revival. When you got sin out of the midst, you can have revival. When you get sin out of your heart, you can have a refreshing. Amen. When you want to see the power of God move, then let everybody begin to call on the name of the Lord. Because those that call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I'm going to finish on this quotation. Y'all hadn't changed that clock. You thought you fooled me. But I just got another hour right there. Brother Branham preached. He tells about the story of Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover. And there they left Jesus thinking he was with them. And Brother Branham used this story over and over again. And he said, we went more than a three-day journey. We went 2,000 years without him. But we got to go back and return to the place we left him. And he pointed out the place that the church left him was Pentecost. And he said, we find it in our churches. This is 1965. We find out in our churches, we're missing something in our churches. And that's the power of Christ. They said, I don't want to criticize. I love you a genuine, with a genuine love. And love is always corrected. We are missing Christ in our church. We're missing Christ amongst our Pentecostal people, our brothers and sisters. There's something wrong. The old-fashioned prayer meetings they used to have all day and night, they don't have them no more. Our women used to wear long hair. They don't do it anymore. It would be a disgrace for women to paint and use paint back in the early days and act the way that women do. Something went wrong. There's nothing wrong with Christ. But something went wrong somewhere. The pulpit used to, see, it wouldn't have permitted such a thing as that, but it does now. No longer are words coming out of the mouth. We're missing something. We're missing power that we ought to have. Where the big machine ought to be running up at great signs and wonders. Why this building ought to be so sitting so full of the power of God. Now the sinner couldn't stay in there. The Holy Spirit condemning it right quickly like that. Like Ananias Sapphira, we're missing something. He would say again, where are we short? God, I want to live the day to see the day that the church of Jesus Christ can be one in purpose and heart and body standing in the full anointed power of the Holy Spirit to perform and work like Jesus Christ did with God in them too. It's a church out of position. And sadly, we don't just need to look around at Pentecostal and Baptist and Methodist. We need to look right at our own ranks and say, why, if God be with us, where are the miracles? 
He uses that illustration of them leaving Jesus at Jerusalem. And I'm closing on this. And he says, I believe the church has done that. Just upon the thoughts. Oh, he's with us. Oh, he's with us. We don't have to have miracles and signs and so forth. We don't have to have divine healing today. We don't have to have the gifts of the Spirit. They're not for this day. Oh, he's with us anyhow. And he said, oh, my precious brothers, do you realize we have found out that all our creeds and churches were finding discord and confusion, something's wrong? And sometimes we think he might be among our kindred. I, I heard that expression many times. My mother was a Methodist or Baptist or Presbyterian or so forth. You'll never find him like that. And sometimes you're depending on what your mother had and experienced to atone for you. It's got to be your own personal faith in God. You just don't find him there. So they checked from pastor to pastor, from church to church, we would say, making it modern. And they could not find him anywhere. And he said, I feel sorry for people today. Many thousands of people in this nation that's belonged to dozens of different churches trying to find where Jesus is. And they just go from one certain church and check there. They go to another church and check there. And they find out there's something wrong. They don't act like, believe like, worship like. There's no sound of the king in the camp. There's no joy. Now remember, we, we were there. What will the Holy Ghost do? It brings times of refreshing. When the Holy Spirit is in a church, it brings times of refreshing. And he said, I might say that if there was one thing I find among the Pentecostal people that makes me believe that they are certainly outstanding Christians is not because they're speaking with tongues or signs of the divine healing. It's the joy that they have. Well, let's just start with that. Let's just start getting our joy back. Let's just start getting refreshed in the presence of God. Let's just begin to, where he is my everything, he is my all. Amen. When my focus is on his coming. He said, it, it's the, he said they have no embarrassment. Hello? They just let their hair down and start rejoicing. Because they got something they're not ashamed of. And that makes me believe there's something outstanding about them. They're not ashamed. They just soon as shout out there in the street as they would here in the church. And if a hundred people are laughing at them, that wouldn't stop them a bit. They continue on shouting joy. And find them on the mission field, starved to death almost. I've seen them where they have no shoes on their feet, living off of 30 cents a week, preaching the gospel, brother, just as happy as if you was coming to church in a limousine. They are happy for they have found something that means more than creeds or denomination or church affiliation. They've found what it takes to bring joy. And a Christian should be happy. We were prayed for that, that our joys might be full. It's something about it that's real. Now, we lost that joy, and if we lost those things and we can't find it among our kindred, we can't find it among them, then there's one, one thing to do is go back where we left him at. And the church should go back to the beginning 
seen where they left him. And that's exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They left Jesus at the feast. That's where Mary and Joseph left Jesus. And he said, I say this with due consideration and respect. That's where both Catholic and Protestants left Jesus at the feast of Pentecost. You can't find him searching around through creeds and denomination. Denomination and creeds and all should go back to the beginning. When Jesus on the earth, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if a vine comes forth and a branch comes out of that vine, the first branch comes up. The second branch looks just like the first one. The third one looks just like the first one. And on to the end of the vine, and every branch looks the same. One don't come up with grapevine leaves, and the other with pawpaw leaves, and another with oak leaves, and another with palm leaves. It starts a grape leaf. It ends with a grape leaf. And if the first church was a product of that vine, Jesus Christ, and wrote a book of Acts out of it, the second branch will have to be the same or it's been grafted into something that has a different life. I am the vine, you are the branches. And the first branch brought forth joy, love, loyalty, gifts of the Spirit, casting out evil spirits, water baptism by immersion. Then if we today find today that all of that is not in the church, then the church is getting the church is not getting its life from the vine. We Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, and what more? Amen. If our church cannot write a book of Acts, listen to me, message believers. If our church cannot write a book of Acts behind this church, then it's the wrong vine. There's something wrong with it. If Jesus was on earth today, I'd walk unto him and say, Lord Jesus, I go to church that don't believe in divine healing. He would say, it wasn't so from the beginning. If I went to Jesus and said, Lord, my church does not believe in speaking with other tongues, he would say, it's not so from the beginning. If I went to the Lord Jesus and said, I've been sprinkled, my church says it's all right. My pastor said, I sprinkled you with water. It's just as good as immersion in water. Jesus was answered. It wasn't so at the beginning. If I walked to Jesus and shook hands and took the right hand of fellowship from the church, and I believed that then I was born again, Jesus would say, it is not so from the beginning. We got to go back to the beginning. Where did the church lead Jesus? At Pentecost. And that's where the churches will have to go to find him. It's back to Pentecost. That's what we were preaching today, friend. We've been more than a three-day journey. We've been through seven church ages. And it's time for the church to turn all the way back to a book of Acts experience. To where an Ananias Sapphire is among us. Where pretending is over. And where there's refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And joy unspeakable and full of glory. That ought to be the ambition of the church that is heralds the coming of the Lord Jesus. And we saw to say, come Lord Jesus come and it be the drive of our heart, our ambition, one accord, one mind. We got to have Jesus or perish. Amen. How many believe that this morning? Stand to your feet with me and worship God as the musicians come. Amen. Oh my, where do we find that spirit power? Where do we find those people that are drunk like they were on the day of Pentecost? So drunk on the spirit of God, they staggered like drunk men. Oh, let me tell you, he said, my Catholic friend, the blessed Mary, Virgin Mary, was in there. That's right. And if God wouldn't let Virgin Mary come to heaven until she was filled with the Holy Ghost, dare you try to get there with anything less. Hallelujah. How many would say today, God, let us enter in that time where pretending's over. We're all 
hypocrisy is out of my heart. Where I'm not pretending anymore, but I'm for real. Amen. Where I have that joy, unspeakable and full of glory. The times of refreshing. That you want that refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Bow your heads with me. Oh, Jesus, where are we standing? Where are we standing? We're living in a dangerous hour. And the only place we're going to find you is where the church left you many years ago. They left you at Pentecost. I went through some scripture this morning just to show the church, just what the early church was and how you were moving among them. I went through all of that to show, again, we're standing at the very same place. And Jesus is coming by our fig tree looking for fruit. Lord, I don't know that there's time to dung it. And let it fulfill another season. The church ages are over. We're at the last one. I don't know if it's time. How could be another messenger come and dung it and expect to find fruit again? We're in the last day. If there's no fruit on the tree, it'll be cursed forever. We're living in the time, Lord, where scoffers arise saying, where is the sign of his coming? There's a people that are hungry. They're in one accord. They're different from this world. They got their mindset on one thing. I want to get out of here. I want to leave this world sin and unbelief it's crashing around us the American flag that used to be loved and honored appreciated spit on burned it used to be an emblem of, of freedom and now they've taken freedom to where they can do and live any kind of thing we started out with freedom we can have freedom of religion and the evil ones have turned it where they want freedom from religion and our nation is quickly turning no longer is it speaking like a lamb it's speaking like a dragon it's speaking too May there be a people here today that know they're empowered. That know where they're standing. That there is a word, there is a message, there is a truth that will change lives. That will heal the sick. Lord, we want to thank you for the many healings that we've seen. Miracles. Lord, I just marvel at your works, Lord. I'd even marvel, Lord, what you've done in my own family, my little wife. Blow after blow after blow. 
the devil has come and grace after grace after grace has been given. Lord, I think about these who went on before us. Some of these that we talked about today that have already crossed into eternity. Left footprints. They ran their race. Whatever we would say about them wouldn't change their race or how they ran it. It's to every, it's to every man's whether his servant stumbles or falls. And you're the one, Lord. You look. You know whether we stumble or we fall. But whatever we do, Lord, we want to persevere. We want to please you. The Bible said, blessed be the man or that servant that the Lord findeth so doing. Lord, if there's pretense in our lives, if we're just pretending, we're just going along life, if we, if we, if we, if we lost the vision of where we were to surrender everything to you, and now we've kept back and yet we're pretending oh yeah we've done everything the Lord required we've done everything Lord I pray that there won't be one pretender among us not because he dropped dead but because sin is judged and that sin is dead and they become alive in Christ everybody don't have to turn out like an Ananias Sapphira there was a liar, a thief, and many a one, a denier like Peter. That you took that denier and made a spokesman, put words in his mouth. Lord, your power goes forth. Can still go forth like it did with Paul. Say to a man who is hindering the gospel. May you be blind for a season. An Elymas would be blind. Not be able to see the light of day. Your word has power in it. And your church is to be a people of the word. I pray, Lord, you'll take the message today. Strike it down to our heart where we can see where we're standing. We're standing, Lord just as they did. We're standing. Standing like Israel did with a new land before them. Clean new land. Go possess it. Lord, today may it be the same. We look at this promise of the Holy Ghost and each one of us claim our possession. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship Him with me now. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, you take your bride away.
cleanse for tension from my life. Cleanse insincerity from us. Even as your prophet was told to do this, to bind the serpent, you're going to have to be more sincere. He would reach out, Lord, and he would say, make me more sincere. That's us, Lord. Even so, how many wants a refreshing from the presence of the Lord? You would like to have a new refreshing from his presence. And you just begin to cry out to him and say, even so, come by my pew. Come speak to my heart, Lord. Wash me and make me clean. Make me feel all washed out. Lord, every pretension gone and a sincerity like I've ever known. I've got to be able to bind that serpent. It's coming. It's death. It's moving throughout the land. I want that sincerity, Lord. I want that pretension gone. I'm not pretending. And I'm for real. Amen. Come by my way. Come on. Call on his name right now. Even so. Where are you? Wherever you are in your pew. Let it be your cry right now this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Even so. Come take your bride away. Take us in your presence, Lord. Oh, how my soul longs to be. Oh, yes, Lord. Even so. Even so. Isn't it time for dedication? Break up the fallow ground. Break up the ground that's tillable. Amen. Break it up. It's time to seek the Lord, and he'll pour out the rain for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Oh, there's times of refreshing that comes from the presence of God. We don't have to leave this church this morning without that time of refreshing. Just press right into the Spirit right now and say, Lord, I want that joy Brother Branham was talking about. I'm not worried about what the neighbor thinks or anybody thinks, but I have that joy of the Lord, that refreshing from the presence of God. Amen. So, come on, sing it to him. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Invite him to your view right now. Amen. So, take your bride away.
here comes a precious soul this morning. She comes down to this altar. She wants to accept the Lord as her personal Savior. I mean, believe he can be a personal Savior. Not just a Savior, but a personal Savior. Will you say, he's my God. He's my Savior. He's my King. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. of every heart. It ought to be the cheers coming down from every parent to see my child accept you as Savior. Savior! Savior! Hear my humble cry. Here's a little sister, Lord. Oh, life, see? She's got to have Jesus. Lord, she realizes I must have him today. I've got to have him in my life. Lord, here's a start. Here's a start. She wants to accept you, Lord. She wants you in her life. I pray, oh God, today you become the king on the throne of her heart. Lord, did she turn from the world and come to know you as the king, my king, my savior, my friend, my counselor. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I ask, Lord, that there be another king come sit down upon the throne of our hearts. Jesus. King Jesus. That old sin nature that she was born with be gone. She be filled with the Spirit. Walk with you. Let that real sweetness of the Holy Spirit be hers. You fill her heart with the joy. Everybody will be able to testify. Then it calls a crowd of amazement around. That the Holy Spirit has come into this life and changed it forever. In Jesus' name.